0: advertising it as an alcoholic thing we're gonna bring in a non-alcoholic beverage to sponsor it if you're not and you want the money i feel like the big brewing companies maybe our friends at montucky would love to sponsor the kibbe don't move and it, it, and not to mention it then once again makes you just a super unique college program Welcome back, Tribe, from the North, brave and bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. In your home for Idaho on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, as always, I have Brian Marceau. Today, we will be covering so much, including alcohol in the Kibbe Dome, Jeff Cotton in the NFL, and 2009 Idaho versus Colorado State. All this and more brought to you by our sponsors at Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing, light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Supporting organizations like the C.W. Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's frickin' awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, a light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. So, tons of topics for us to cover today. But let's start with the fun one. The... Is it the state board that just lifted the restrictions on alcohol at college sporting events? It was a what published by KTVB down in Boise or the Idaho Statesman? Did you see that article?
1: Yeah, yeah, it had to be the state board. That's who, that's who had the rule about uh, alcohol not being legal, yeah. uh, at events.
0: Um, I mean, what are kind of your opinions on it? I mean, it's something we've always kind of joked about for years. I think it's something that could be really beneficial. I think there's a lot of different avenues we can jump into it, so I just kind of want to throw the lead out to you, see what yeah. you know, what you bite on first, and then we'll tackle it from there.
1: Okay, first off, just in case people came in cold, uh, just came out of of, of the Idaho State House that um, the regulation that denied universities the ability to sell alcohol at sporting events or like university funk official university functions has been lifted. It doesn't mean that schools are necessarily going to sell. It more means that. Um, the, the state of Idaho is going to have a federalist approach, let's say, and let whatever university wants to sell alcohol provide they follow the rules to sell it. For Moscow University of Idaho, I think this is a, this is a no-brainer. Uh, we we absolutely need to okay, whenever when we have a season, we need to okay the the sale of alcohol. Um, I mean, the first thing that I I go into, Chris, is. Everyone drinks before the game. Anyway, everyone drinks, lots of people drink during the game. Even when, even when you're not a 21 year old sneaking it in, man, the people I sit with, they all do that. Uh, it's happening anyway. You might as well capitalize on the money. Plus you, you get you get a better chance of keeping butts in seats once the game starts. So I guess that's the first, that's my first brain dead reaction of like why I guess, why wouldn't we, or why shouldn't we hope that they, they just, that this becomes part of Vandal football.
0: Oh, one, 100%. I think you're spot on. I think it's already happening. Like I said, right or wrong, I already have a friend who I will never reveal who got an entire fifth into the Kibby Dome. Now, stuff like that does not need to happen, shouldn't happen, because now you're going to have people more responsible. This person was 21, luckily, I guess, luckily, as if something like this could be good. But I think this prevents people from having to make those kinds of, Drastic steps to get their pregame going. I think it really adds to the factor of and it's something that a lot of places have struggled with. And I'd like to see if stats kind of, kind of continue to come out with this. What does this look like once the NFL or the NFL, the NCAA? It's like a blanket wide. Does this improve attendance in the second half? Because let's be honest, uh, I know on the Grizz fan pod they talked about um, problems with people coming back in after halftime. We've talked about for years having people even leave the parking lot, and especially after halftime. Is this something that could help with it? Knowing I don't need to go stay at the RV lot to continue having a good time. Now, you're going to have to be more controlled in the dome, and they are going to have to – I'm sure there's a bit of alcohol reinfor- like enforcement staff that's going to have to come with this, meaning higher costs. But I have to believe that the alcohol sales itself would help cover that. Plus, a lot of other stuff we could be using money for, like – paying off our debts, I'm just saying, doesn't seem like a bad extra revenue stream to me.
1: I, I don't think it's a bad ex, extra revenue stream at all. And, you know, we, Chris, we don't pull behind the curtain that much, but both of us have background as, you know, fraternity men. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were involved, if you've ever been involved in that world or in the world of like party planning, it's actually a basic risk management thing to try to encourage yeah. people to have beer or wine instead of hard alcohol yeah, uh, which you know when you sell beer at a game you know that's the sink beer is the single slowest way to get drunk because it t- it's just a volume thing yep uh, plus you you know you empty the tank when you have you know when you get to certain points yeah so like there, there's a safety concern about like you know if alcohol is gonna be in here like there's I think it's positive that at least some people will be substituting the hard alcohol they they sneak in for the beer being sold at the game um it's just I mean Uh, beer just drinking is part of a part of football culture even if you don't really drink like i really don't like i don't mind i i like when other people are able to relax about that and for us you know again for us vandals man we might we might get to the uh deficit thing again because it's a huge thing for us but i I just i don't see how we can say no to any revenue stream whatsoever with the financial situation we're in
0: yeah and i'm trying to pull it up here um I had, did a little bit of like stats on it, and I was kind of surprised by it. So I'm not sure totally where we're at with this in the statistics term. But I, I based on, I think it was Ohio State, I found some articles. Sorry, I, I was trying to refine it there real quick. But Ohio State ended up selling alcohol at games and ended up making some amount of number. And I kind of took their attendance based on the revenue, saying so about per person, how much was being spent on alcohol. I believe it came out to be about $11, which seems low to me, but then I think you also got to factor in if two parents come with two kids, that's four people. Really, only one person's probably buying alcohol because the other one's driving and the other two are probably not 21. So I, I get that, like, now you're taking your population by four dividing. But, I mean, I go to Seahawks games. You can, right Rainier there is $9. So I find it hard that someone's having, like, one beer. I guess the difference is the tailgating. So it is possible, and I don't know the difference in our, I don't want to say culture, our, our pregame habits compared to something like um, Ohio State's, where maybe because there is so much more pageantry, you want to get in and see the I get dotted and everything like that. Maybe there is less alcohol consumed at Ohio State games than there is at Idaho, but I just feel like some people I know, $11 seems low. Now I know a lot of it's college kids, but as we've touched on, if you're not twenty one, you're not drinking anyways, and what fifteen to twenty percent of the population student population is twenty one. So I don't I don't know how much of the safety concern there is, but it's just an avid revenue stream. Like and not to mention attendance, I just see so many pros, but I mean your best guess, let's go college Brian and his friends and current Brian. And your current like game day friends how do you see does this change obviously it probably doesn't change you and i's perspective on going to the game staying for the game but some of the average yeah. day joe vandal type people you think they stay longer if they can have one beer at halftime instead of going outside and then getting kind of wrapped up in the hoopla of the tailgating a
1: lot yeah absolutely i mean because a lot a lot of people that that's why they leave at halftime is you know you go you if you have an RV, let's say you might still go back to the RV anyway, but the the majority of cars that people have out there that people are drinking out of or people are going back to for the tailgate, those I think there's a good amount of those you could keep inside, um, or you could get them in earlier, one or the other. Um, you know, we've and I want to piggyback on your safety thing. I guess sometimes when we talk about the idea of like planning for this, it seems like it's a bigger deal because you can't sell alcohol right now mm-hmm. at college events, but I, you can you, you've been able to sell alcohol at sporting events for a very long time when you look at like the professional level. So it's not like we, we'd be in inventing you know we'd, we're not reinventing the wheel on how you'd execute this. It would probably be a very small amount of planning by the athletic department itself um, or whoever whoever's responsible for those game day kind of things there'd be some planning involved for that person, but I guarantee it would not actually be that much. I guarantee there'd be a little bit of, of redirection of what you're having your security guards look at. But I mean, the secure the security staff there is already on patrol for alcohol. Cause you've probably seen people, if you bring in alcohol and it's obvious you're drinking it, like people do get kicked out for that.
0: And we already have the infrastructure so, a bit from have once since we added the Bud and Jude Ford center where premium seats are allowed alcohol. So, It's not like the staff there is totally – it would take so much to train them on alcohol sales. And if we're being honest, how hard would it be on a Saturday to get some of the bar staff who are no longer students anymore be like, you can come work the game? Like I feel like I know a couple guys, if they had the opportunity to go work Saturdays, get into the game for free, and handle the alcohol sales – they would totally do that. I think it's an awesome way for those guys to still be involved because right now it's so much like you have to be able to go back to the bar and work where this now they're able to provide alcohol sales and do something that otherwise wasn't happening. So I don't I don't know. I'm pro this whole move for so many ways. But I think one way that's like totally being underestimated – well, I just want to cover I found my stats here. So 2017 beer sales from – uh, the Ohio Stadium. Um, Ohio State made one point two three million dollars, so that right there is about our deficit. But they also hold like an extra hundred thousand people in their games. Um, they they there you go. They averaged one hundred and seven thousand four hundred and ninety four people at home at home attendance. That's about eleven dollars and forty five cents per person. Meaning in two thousand nineteen, Idaho averaged six thousand eight hundred and eighty five people, according to the I said the current admin because we're actually counting butts and seats, which is nice. But according to the current administration, um, that's six thousand eight hundred eighty-five people. That would mean we'd get about eighty thousand dollars in added revenue to our budget, which, like I said, seems low. I would imagine more in like the hundred, the hundred fifty, two thousand. I just don't think. I guess you also only have five games, but I imagine allowing alcohol is is going to like be an uptick. To, i just don't imagine it only being eighty thousand do you do you think the eighty thousand dollar is low or do you think the eighty thousand dollars is high
1: that sounds that sounds low because the the math i was doing is you're saying if that's an average right yeah the nine dollar nine dollars per person is an average if you i mean if you multiply nine uh not sorry nine nine dollars by even if we only say six thousand people is our our number which we would have more than that when you average the season of course um, that alone, just once, is fifty four thousand. Then you multiply that by five, you're at two hundred seventy thousand. Yeah. That you would then, of course, have to su- have to subtract costs. But, um, I, I, man, I don't, I don't see how we could first uh, even if we got eighty thousand, it more than pay for itself. And if if it pays for itself and the environment is fine, then like again, why, why would you say no to that? Second, if it's closer to, like, the 270, like I just said, that's a huge deal for us. That's a basketball coach's contract taken care of.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think, another cool possibility. And I don't know where the state board would land on this type of deal, right? But we get laughed at all the time that it looks like our stadium is a beer can in the ground. How how much do you think Coors Light would pay or Montucky would pay to be able to – paint that thing as in the design of one of their beer cans like that's an advertising revenue right there that literally nobody else but except maybe idaho state can can be able to bring in and i just think i don't know if the, the school would want that that's a whole different side story but if this deficit gets worse and worse and worse i mean that option looks better and better to be like hey name your price now, every time ESPN's here or whatever, you know, if ESPN ever comes back, Pluto Sports, whatever, Root Sports, their little drone shot, whatever, you can see a nice little, like, Montucky beer can popping out of the Palouse. Like, I don't know. I I think you get some – think about what ICCU paid to name an arena. Like, yeah, it's the Kibby Dome, but just have that top of the roof just be a giant billboard. The students don't see it except from aerial shots. So, I don't know. I'm thinking outside the box here, and I'm just going that – We've always talked about it. The Corner Club posted a little mock-up they had of White Claw doing it. I just – I don't know. Maybe it adds too much to that nasty inebriated culture we get claimed for, but I just – I see so many pros with this. The negatives are obvious, and like we said, the footprint's already been made. Other schools are already currently doing this and have the infrastructure. So it's not like we're going in completely blind and we're trying to invent the wheel here. So – I don't know. I, I love the idea. I think it totally helps. Are you going to get everybody to quit leaving after halftime? No. Are you going to get everybody to come back in after the third quarter? No. But I think it helps Idaho right now that really has a problem of I do think most of the time we have about ten to 12,000 people at the games this year that we just said average 7,000, 6,000, I think, 6,885. You have 10 to 12,000 people at every game. They're just not leaving the RV lot. If you're able to have a beer, give the team a chance. The game is good. You're not going back out. You'll just have another beer. And I think you're over that $11.45 average that Ohio State had. And maybe you're getting about $15 to $20 per beer per person. Not to mention sponsorship deals inside the stadium now. Like, I just I just see dollar signs for a program right now that needs dollar signs. So... Desperate times, desperate measures, maybe I, I will have Mahmood on next week to kind of talk about fundraising and everything, and maybe there is a different course of action that the university already has in motion, and we're like, we don't need to do this. But I I think it's a great option, and we need to keep it on the table. And if we can beat Boise State and Idaho State to it, I think it would be great. Because I know Boise State seems to have some pushback on it, which seems weird because everything there is – seems directed at like, get the people that moved here from California to treat this as a pro team and come have fun. And they're more likely to have fun. if they have that because they don't have the emotional connection that, you know, 14% of their students do from graduating from the university.
1: No. And the, the other thing before we go into the Idaho specific situation, I mean, first off, like I, I know, like we kind of say it as a joke about having the, you know, a beer can advertisement on the Kibby dome, but like, Pro teams in Europe have forever had, you know, sponsor logos as their logo on uniforms. Like this is that, that premise again, it might feel new in Moscow. It's actually not new in the world of sports at all. Um, And second, you know, there's an article that came out, I think it was the Idaho Statesman. Mm. Citing Boise state as a result of COVID-19 is looking at a $16 million university deficit we expect we're going to find out something maybe not exactly the same about Idaho, but in the same, it, it, there's going to be a big deficit. Yeah. Any way that you can trim any, any way that you can add money to the athletic department to fix their deficit also is dollars that you don't have to cut from a different service at the university. Yeah. So I, I actually wouldn't, I really, I know, again, it sounds like a joke to say sponsor the Kibby Dome, you know, with a beer can or whatever. I would, I would absolutely not take that off the table as something that might be in the plans. If if Idaho doesn't fund education the way, you know, like the UC system is funded, you know, so we, the universities may have to get creative to try to limit, you know, people that have to let go. Yeah.
0: And just to, it doesn't have to be alcohol, right? Like if we're being honest, this could have been Coca-Cola is a great example. Those like European South American sponsors you're talking about for other sports, make it a Coca-Cola can, a Pepsi can, like, it doesn't have to be alcohol, I guess, is what I'm getting at. That being said, yeah. I think that alcohol would probably get the most amount of money. So that's another thing you got to weigh when you're looking at it is your morals versus dollar, right? Are you super against advertising it as an alcoholic thing? Well, then bring in a non-alcoholic beverage to sponsor it. If you're not and you want the money, I feel like the big brewing companies – um, maybe our friends at montucky would love to sponsor the kibby dome roof and it, it and not to mention it then once again makes you just a super unique college program you become kind of like i know people um that play fifa from you know around the world the sounders were known as an mls team because they're the only team around the world that xbox sponsored like people in england and like france knew that like if they're going to be had to be an mls team they're going to be because the Sounders, because they had Xbox, which is something they could relate to. The college football world having, like, the beer can stadium, like, that on its own becomes a bucket list item now. You're now becoming, like, this college football kind of folklory thing of, like, oh, the University of Idaho, that's that stadium that's like a beer can, right? No. Maybe I'll make a trip out to Moscow to watch them play Montana or Eastern or Idaho State or somebody, you know, good um, that would draw an attendance. But... I don't know. A lot to digest here. I, I'm kind of, I think I've gotten all my points out unless you have anything else you kind of want to cover. Otherwise we'll move on.
1: Just last closing point is, you know, we talked to Tom Wistersell media days. He's been supportive of the federalist view of drinking it um, at college athletic events of if it, if the university feels it's appropriate, he's wholly supportive. So again like this sounds like a sea. Ch- this to me sometimes even talk about this feels like a sea change but it just isn't that big a deal to a lot of people it's it's just not anymore
0: like i get it back in the day but especially when the drinking age was lower but i don't know i think it's 100 percent should be a go maybe if we were in a different financial situation like if you're byu obviously for multiple reasons, it makes sense. One, you make a bit of money. Two, it's totally against everything you stand for. But I don't know. I just, It's such a big revenue stream, I feel like. We we could hit. And it makes us unique because it sounds like Boise State is dragging their feet on it. And if anything, if they're dragging their feet, Idaho State's going to drag their feet more because they have a bit more of that BYU-type stuff to deal with out in Pocatello than, for instance, we do up in Lataw County in Moscow. So plus the buffer of it through Boise. So I I think it's a great opportunity for us. I think it then helps some of these people that are moving to the state or to the area like Spokane and well, maybe not Missoula. But, you know, the the upper inland empire to go, hey, you want to go to an Idaho game this year? Oh, I've heard they're kind of fun. Yeah. And they were selling alcohol now. Like it's just an extra reason to get people in the seats when right now it's not like you're having a demand issue for seats. Or a supply issue, you're having a demand issue. Not enough people want to go to games, so create more reasons for them to go is kind of my thought on it. Yeah, I'm um, with you. Yeah, so the NFL draft happened. It was very interesting. Uh, before we get into nitty gritty, I we just got to cover it. D- did you watch much of the draft?
1: I didn't Any watch rounds? the draft. I followed like I-, I followed the draft on Twitter instead of watching it.
0: I actually watched the whole thing on the Pat McAfee show. <laughs> They're getting yeah. picks in like two minutes before the NFL would do it on whatever. But one thing I loved, and they should bring this back because I think it was specifically for this. And I didn't find out till the last no, the rounds two through four, or whatever. Um, on ESPN, they had your typical Mel Kiper, those Trey Wingo and those goons. ABC, Ooh. they had your college game day crew. They had Herb Street. Reese Davis, and the guys who, honestly, I've always said, like, I would rather hear what Kirk Herbstreet has to say about a guy coming out of college than some NFL guys, because I get that they're saying, well, they're transitioning to the NFL, so we need the NFL guys to cover what they'll be like in the NFL. It's like, yeah, but you guys have just spent the entire season covering current NFL guys. There's no way you have as much knowledge about them as guys who have just spent the last three to five years covering these people. So... I really liked having Herb Street and the gang be a part of the draft process through ESPN. That was a huge plus for me. They need to bring it back. Um, but all in all, I, it was pretty entertaining. I can't believe the Bryce Love thing with Green Bay. That is, oh, man. I, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, hey, Bill Belichick, <laughs> you want to bring me aboard? I'll play with Nikhil Harry. But, uh, unfortunately. Fortunately, the Big Sky had no draft picks, which means the last Big Sky draft pick is still your Vandalone, Caden Ellis, to the Saints last year in the seventh round. Um, former Vandal, Jake Luton, went to the sixth round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's pretty cool. Uh, at one point, I think it was Chris Sims who, if I'm being fair, I'm not a huge Chris Sims guy, so take it with a grain of salt. But he was saying that after the first guys were taken. So this was going into day two that Luton was probably the best quarterback left, but he would never get the credit for it, which I heard that. And I was like, once again, at that point, I'm thinking Cotton's probably going to get taken. Now you have a quarterback who's going in, being considered the fifth best guy ends up going in the sixth round. You have Jeff Cotton, who we'll talk about here in a little bit later, who ends up getting picked up on a team. And you're just like, what, what could have been these last two years, right? But it didn't. Um, but it was good to see Jake Luton, a local-ish you know, local-ish kid from Marysville, Washington, who's had, honestly, a really tough break at it. Like, broken neck his first year at Pat, er, uh, Oregon State, and then kind of had his share of struggles, and I think a head injury the very next season, so not a ton of playing time. So to go in the sixth round, it's those measurables of like 6'7", and a cannon for an arm where they think they can just improve him. But some big, big sky signings. Uh, Dante Olsen signed with the Eagles, I believe which shocked that he should have been drafted. I I actually am very surprised, but we talked about it last week. It showed that the SCS had like an all-time or at least a recent time slump in players drafted. The Big Sky had a recent slump in players drafted. So I just it, – it sucks, but we called it. Without pro days and combines and people getting to be in front of them, you're going to go with, you know, prestige and heritage and – The Alabama's, USC's, LSU tore it up. I think their entire team got drafted. Um, And then other than like Jeremy Chin, who got in the second round from Southern Illinois, just not a huge FCS presence. But I think a lot of guys from the FCS who got to pick where they wanted to play, which will be huge because I think a lot of those guys will make the roster compared to some of those fifth to seventh round guys who just got picked up by teams who don't really fit. So I think, for instance, Jeff Cotton, going to the LA chargers. Now I know they have Tyrod Taylor and there's still talks that Tyrod Taylor is going to start the year. That's fine. Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback. Everybody knows Herbert is the quarterback of the future. And I can't lie as the Hammond household, happy Vandal, my brother duck sent him a picture. I'm like, your boy, Herbert just got a weapon. And he was like, no, you know, bleep. Jeff cotton just signed with the LA chargers. Like, Guy who doesn't follow the Vandals that much knew who Jeff Cotton was. So as a guy who is now a quasi-LA Chargers fan, because Herbert is there, I can now say that my second NFL team is also the LA Chargers because Cotton is there. And I hope that those two become very much just a go-to connection. And uh, as a Seahawks fan, my inner trust the guys making the picks Doug Baldwin was an unrestricted free agent, and he had a damn good NFL career. So, being an unrestricted free agent does not mean that you are not going to make the team, you're not going to be good, and you'll never make Pro Bowls. You can make a Pro Bowl, win a Super Bowl, and go down as one of the you know top ten wide receivers. I would say top five, but I'm incredibly biased um, for like a two year stretch there. So, uh, what we, you take away from the draft, the FCS. Um, and then cotton to the chargers.
1: I mean, from the draft, like, you know, you, you called it, um, that teams were going to be risk averse when they can't actually see the small school guys in play. Um, which sucks, but, uh, I, I don't think, I think there's going to be a lot of guys from this draft who make rosters that we, we become surprised about you know, the big guy overall. This is as of today has 11 guys with, um, with undrafted free agent contract contracts, that's J.J. Koski from Cal Poly. He signed with the Rams. We covered Jeff Ch- Jeff Cotton to the Chargers, Dante Olson to the Eagles, uh, Travis Johnson, wide receiver from Montana State, who initially was a really high highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school. He signed with Tampa Bay as a wide receiver. Bryce Dirk signed with the Dolphins as a tight end slash defensive end. Kate, our man Case Cookis. The professor signed with the New York Giants so uh, older. to be back up.
0: Another- C- Case Cookus nope. or Taysom Hill? <laughs> who do you think oh, is older between those two old men who are now on what? Taysom will be on a second year and Case Cookus is on his first. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Um, and then we have uh, Khalil Dorsey from NAU signed with the Ravens. Charlie Tomapeo, tight end from Portland State. He was always a big Prospect yeah. out of the big sky. I, I was surprised someone didn't he give him a drafted. shot. Yeah, he signed. He signed with the Cowboys. Uh, Sergio Hoffman, running back for Portland State, he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. And this is not the, the last two. I am a little more surprised they didn't get drafted. George Obina, outside yeah. linebacker for Sacramento State, signed with the Browns. And Jonah Williams, defensive end from Weber State, signed with the Rams. Those two guys, I thought, might have been the best chance to get drafted in the Big Sky because, I mean, they're both re- real good. Um, but, I mean, the, the big news for for Idaho that I'm happy, I'm really happy. Jeff Cotton got a contract. I think he's got a real chance. We saw what he could do here, even without a guy who can stretch the field. I I think there's a chance Jeff Cotton just kind of blows people away once once he's starting, once he's working with a pro-caliber quarterback. Um, I I think he he'll just be he'll look like a different
0: guy. NAU all, all year, I mean, he's yeah, he, it's I the Chargers. I don't think they realize how lucky they're. I mean, I know they still have Keenan Allen, but other than that, I mean, I'm I guess I'm not totally up. To, I'm not my team's not in the AFC West, so I'm not totally up to date on the Chargers. But I mean, they lost Melvin Gordon, so it seems like they're kind of starting to go. They're not going to be running the ball as much. You you have Keenan Allen who. God, did he come out in, like, 2010 or 11? Like, he's getting more up there, too. And to be fair, I'm not sure if Cotton will be a major contributor right away. Like I said, Doug Baldwin is a great comparison, or a Keelan Doss. Put him in, let him learn, get used to the systems. Now, I actually, well, I'll hold off on comparing him as being better than Baldwin. But I think he is better than Doss as as a natural wide receiver. And I think if you had Jake Mayer throwing to Jeff Cotton... Last year and two years ago, like, his numbers would be absolutely just not even close to what Keelan put up. So, again, to he put up numbers in an offense where he had to do everything. So, uh, I just... I, I'm I'm so excited for him, because I think that is a great pick. I don't know... Well, we do know his agents are, but I don't have it off the top of my head, but um, I think it's one West, maybe. But, props to them. I honestly couldn't think of another team other than, you know, going into it, the Raiders, but they took two wide receivers, so um, I, I think they were the right pick. Them or maybe the Eagles, but I think L.A., he's from Arizona. That gets him a little bit closer back to home, a little bit more comfortable. Uh, he's kind of used to – I mean, I know L.A. is not quite as hot as, like, Phoenix, but or Tucson, or I forget exactly where he's from in Arizona, but uh, I, I have very high hopes for him. I have other high hopes for Noah Johnson, but we haven't heard anything yet. I I don't know why offers aren't coming in. I know it was a very offensive lineman heavy draft class, but I don't know. I just I I still really thought that Noah Johnson would get picked, and I still think he deserves to get picked. I think he is definitely a a NFL caliber left guard, right guard, center. Like, I actually think he might be better if they moved him to center. He's smarter enough to play center. He's a little undersized for NFL guard, especially when like he's like 6'3", 310, I think. Mikey Apati like mm-hmm. 6'7", 340 or something. <laughs> like So when you compare those two who play the same position, you're like, okay, now I can kind of see he's a little undersized for like number 17 overall pick. But I still thought he should have been picked up. I think if he had a better year last year, no doubt he would have been drafted. And then it's just crazy that we haven't even heard anything out of, like, uh, Colton Clark, who would seem to know, or anything out of Noah's camp. I mean, he's on Twitter, and I haven't seen anything on his Twitter about it. So, I don't know. Maybe a guy, I hope that gets some offers here shortly. But if not, once again, I think more Vandals need to look at the CFL route. Like, go block for Sneed or Vernon Adams. Like, I just, ah, you, you can't end your career, Noah Johnson. You're too... Good and fun to watch on offensive line. And I just want you to play. Same with Lloyd Hightower, who also hasn't been picked up by anyone yet. But definitely a guy I'd like to see at least shake out and play some higher competition. If it's not in the NFL, the CFL, just do it for a year if you like it. You know, maybe you get another shot. But I, I just think more guys need to take like a one-year shot. Max Ford made a career out of the CFL. I'm not saying that's what these guys want to do, but I don't know, get in touch with Max Ford. Is it really that bad? I can't imagine it's – I don't know. Obviously, I, I've i never had the opportunity to play in the CFL or even like, I don't know, semi-pro. So, I don't know what it's like. I don't know the pros and cons. But I just – I'm not ready to watch these guys be done with their careers yet.
1: No, man. I – I know I got to say the Noah Johnson, when we covered it last week, was – he's a surprise that he, we – if – okay after the draft when we saw no vandals are picked he was probably he was one of the guys who i thought i'd find out about first not right. just from idaho i mean from the big sky uh, but yeah I, ho- I hope we see more out of him i hope that maybe some of the stuff for the fcs guys who haven't gotten contracts has to do with teams being a little bit cautious about moving forward at- with that him. much planning yeah um yeah
0: it's just it, it it's unfortunate but it happens, and it doesn't mean their careers are over. It just means they're they get a choice on whether how how they'd like it to proceed. Uh, no doors are shut, just different doors to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's it for me on the NFL draft. Unless you've got anything you want to close,
1: I'm ready for rewatchables.
0: Ooh, we were ready for this one. Uh, we actually had to stop ourselves before the podcast started, everybody to get ready for this Vandal rewatchable the 2009 week four or five nationally televised Colorado State just nail biter in the Kibbe Dome Brian yes the floor is yours as much as you can remember or want to just boast about because kind of like what we, we covered it last week when we covered the 09 humanitarian bowl 09 is probably my favorite Vandal season of all time
1: I was at this game it was also just fun to watch the broadcast again because when it scanned the crowd, I could, I could see people like, it's not like, I saw all my friends, but everyone who listens, if you went to Uvi, you know, that feeling of, you know, when you used to go out, you didn't have to know everyone to kind of know everyone. Yeah. Um, it was just fun seeing that again, the dome packed, you know, with 16,000 people. So oh, good Lord. Good. I was so dang jealous. We're not seeing that. Um, yeah, I was, at, I was at that game. That was a wild game. Um, and also just the way that – I mean, Colorado – the WAC was a really good conference.
0: Yeah, it was, especially it, right then. I mean, that was obviously like the last strong year of it. But that – because then it all went to the Mountain West. And as we know, the Mountain West is arguably the sixth best conference, I mean, probably the AAC, AAC. But, I mean, so many of those teams now that are players in the Mountain West were players – in the WAC, I mean, we just proved it. Uh, middle of the road WAC team beat one of the top Mount West teams that year in Idaho, so that but the, the WAC was good. I mean, you look at that 09 schedule; you're looking at a really good Fresno State team. Colin Kaepernick, Nevada. So it was it was nice that that game, especially coming off with of low expectations going into the year. Kind of a closer win against New Mexico State, um, then you lose to the Huskies, then you come back. Uh, God, who did we beat? Was it North Dakota? No, it wasn't North Dakota. I think we beat some FCS team, and then somebody else. And then we're next thing you know, we're four and one or whatever, and we're playing Colorado State. ESPNU picks it up. Um, I still remember they showed a clip of like when they're. Um, this is one of the benefits, of, like, what I miss being on ESPN, too, is how they show, like, campus during games, too, you know? Like, they really try to bring you in on the college atmosphere. Like, I remember seeing a shot, I think it was at the bagel shop, or maybe I'm mixing my games, but I was just like, that's so cool. Like, right now they're just filming the Moscow bagel shop, and you're, like, been there multiple times for breakfast, for late night, and... That is Moscow, and it's so cool that they can find these places. And if you're in it, you always feel it even if you're not from those places. But when you tune in and you're just like, I've, I get the vibe of their town now, you know? Which is the benefit, I think, of going to a, a true college town, is the stuff like that. But yeah, and like the the whole lead in where they're like, I forget, they're breaking down baseball. It, they were finishing up something when they let into yeah. the, 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 and was like, we're going to the kibby, the kibby, baby. It's like, uh, God, Daniel Pollock and some guys now who are bigger shots in the national landscape of it all. And you're just like, it's just so good to see. They were so hyped for it. The team was hyped for it. You covered it. Wall to wall, black and gold in there. Uh, I actually was a senior in high school at this game, um, and I was up there with a future Vandal football player, but we were actually sitting behind – Oh, was it Stucker? Stucker? Whoever the quarterback was for Colorado State, his parents were right in front of us, so it was kind of weird talking to them. Um, cause I, you know, we were with our parents too, and they're like, "Oh, you know, your son's playing good and everything." And I mean, that Shiloh Ko interception, I felt so bad for them because everybody just erupted and like we're jumping up and down behind them, and their son just lost the game for Colorado State, and Ko just. I mean, you wanted to talk about Komar, so I'll let you have Komar, But just when you, we were talking about Komar before, you went. We went on like Ko too. Did you forget how good Ko was? Like
1: no man. Ko was there for just about every every time somebody every gets a catch. He's, he's over there for the tackle or assisted tackle.
0: Yeah, and I, I compare him to Caden Ellis all the time. And I'm gonna be honest, rewatching like '09 H. bowl and '09 Colorado State. I mean, Caden Ellis is a good player, obviously drafted. Like. Jai Lokeo, though, was, I mean, he might be the best defensive player we've ever had at Idaho. Just all around, maybe not pure talent, pure, but just, like, the mix of his motor and his IQ and just always having to be in, like, the right place at the right time. Recovered and on like, he's just, he was so much fun to watch. And you just forget how good he was.
1: Yeah, and well, he had the injury issues for so much of his career, too, uh, which... Yeah. The, and the only reason I bring that up is he still played a ton, and he still was real productive with injury issues. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just how good the guy was. He returned punts. Um, you know, he, there were times when I watched – I remember watching that team, and, yeah, I was on campus then. Sh- Shiloh Kao was the big name. Everyone knows Nathan Enderly because he's a starting quarterback. But the other name everyone knew about was Shiloh Kao. He was the guy that we were talking about playing in the NFL back then. And, I mean, if you've paid attention recently, he's part of the University of Alabama's coaching staff now. Yeah. So he, he obviously turned that into a career.
0: Yeah, won a Super Bowl ring too. So um, it's uh, – it was just I – mean, we've covered it. It's – I miss 09 so much, but just the atmosphere in that game and everything being able to be brought, like the hype. And I remember like – once again, talking about um, alcohol sales, um, we, 19, or no, eight seventeen 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 17, 17, and 15, we're sitting there, and we're debating, should we storm the court, should we, or storm the field, storm the field, when that was all going on, and we decided to storm the field, sure enough, some student, I'm assuming a student, I guess it couldn't, it could have not been, all of a sudden, beer, and I'm just sitting there as like a high school kid up there, and I'm just like, this is so cool, like, We got a a beer shower um, while we're storming the field because, remember, my younger brother and his older brother um, decided they weren't going to storm the field, but myself and Jack were just like, no, we're doing it. Like, I had never stormed a field before um, because, you know, growing up playing sports, you don't storm the field, so uh, now here I am as a fan (laughs) and I get stormed the field, and it was so much fun and, like, college experience of, like... Beer getting flown on you, and like I sent a Snapchat when I finished rewatching the game to him, and he goes, oh, I don't remember that game. And his two words were, We got beer poured on us, and Shiloh KO is just an
1: animal. Yeah, and I gotta, I gotta fact check you on one thing.
0: Yeah,
1: right. This is not a bad fact check. The, the game from 2009 that you're forgetting. Was Northern Illinois? That's right. Who ended up being a they? They were their FBS. Yeah. They ended up making a game. That was maybe that was one of our biggest wins in a long time because it was on place, the road. Right? Yeah. The yeah. That's right. Um,
0: it was such a good year, and like I said, we struggled at the end, but you look at the teams we struggled against, and it's uh, it's not bad teams. They're really good teams. So, including a number. of top-ranked, some team that's basically just a semi-pro football team that plays on blue field. Um, but uh Max Comar, just the, the offensive KO, like for a walk-on from Auburn, Washington, just what he meant to that program and just the buildup of being a walk-on. I mean, I know Idaho, you get a lot of guys who just uh, – or usually a bigger school, sorry, not at Idaho, like a Washington State. You get walk-ons for people that just decided, like, all right, well, if I'm not going to get a scholarship offer anywhere else, I'll walk on here. Or maybe I got a scholarship offer to Eastern at the time, or Idaho at the time, to be quite frank, and you're Washington State. Those go, screw it, I'll just walk on to Washington State because Pac-12. You didn't get a lot of that at Idaho. You weren't getting the talented guys that aren't getting offers that decide to walk on. So that whole story paired with what he was able to do and become an immediate contributor as a freshman. Like, usually walk-ons take some years to really prove themselves, right? His first year, he was taking snaps. Like, just we haven't had a story like him at wide receiver in a long time Um, and made
1: tons of huge plays for us. When heading into that game, you know, if you listen to the broadcast, they said now that was Idaho's fifth game of the year. They were sitting at three and one uh, going into it. He would only had 13 catches going into that game, which was lower production than you would have expected. Then he picks up 12 receptions on his own. You know, there's a, there's a run in that second and third quarter where, or might've mostly been the third quarter where Idaho doesn't, they don't run it until, like their second or third, second drive in the third quarter. I swear it seemed like it was just Max Comar, Nathan Underly playing catch. That was it. Cause he, he kept getting open, you know, in that like intermediate pass, like, you know, 15 yards length. And then because he's that hybrid, like halfback wide receiver kind of guy, he can reliably get yards after the catch. You know, he, him, see if I, seeing him again was awesome. I, I, it'd be wild to see a guy. I don't even know what the comparison would be. Uh, to a guy like Max Comar, from what we saw in the big sky uh, because like he's a real I mean he, he's kind of what Reggie Bush of course Reggie Bush was better I'm not trying to say wasn't but like in terms of the proto the prototype of player that Max Comar was he was kind of like the better version of Reggie Bush because he wasn't a running back who you know was maybe not as durable he was just a really fast really tough wide wide receiver who punishes you like a running back after the catch.
0: Yeah, Returned kicks, like, so did, back to KO. So did KO without gloves. Like, he'd take his gloves off the return kicks. Like, that team, God, I love him. Like, we need more 9 games to watch. I, the problem is we either blew people out or got lost there at the end. But, I mean, I love that team. And you know that Komar just, he was Mr. Do-everything. And he just played, he played angry. Like, he never looked like he was having a good time playing football. He looked like every time he just wanted to, like, run somebody over or stiff arm somebody, or he almost wanted to go over the middle and get hit just so he could get up and be like, barely hit me. Like, he just, he always looked angry. Like, he just never let that chip off his shoulder, and it made him so fun to watch, like, Safety's weighing down on him when he's running down the sideline. He's not stepping out. He is planting his foot, driving back into him and putting a shoulder in him like, you're going to tackle me. I'm not stepping out of bounds. So you don't see that on a ton of wide receivers. Like, Deion Watson's like that. Um, I actually think Cottrell Haywood plays a little bit like that. But Komar is just, man, so good. I, I miss Comar.
1: Yeah, and on that team, again, you know, you have uh, DeMondre Wool, Woolridge, had a big, had another big game there. Um, We didn't run it as much in that game as we did in the humanitarian bowl. Uh, Nathan Enderly, that to me was one of his, you know, just apex performances. If you subtract that awful first drive interception. Yeah. Yeah. In the end zone, but still, uh, you know, 38 attempts, 333 yards, three touchdowns did have the interception, but still uh, that was you know I, I don't know how much of nathan Enderly's first two years you saw chris um i i saw a decent amount of it and it, it was it was one of those things where it's rough but you can tell there's talent
0: yeah um, so a lot like Ann.
1: yeah yeah so when you know that intercept touchdown inter, when the interception to touchdown ratio switches over to a touchdown to interception ratio you know that's when you that's when you see like okay he's putting things together and you know 20 Twenty two thousand nine 2009, uh, was, you know, the year that again, like I'm not trying to like bring like sadness to this or something like that because of, we, we know what happened after this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, watching that game, being at that game, that was, that was one of the days I, I know I thought like, Hey man, we have turned that corner.
0: Yeah. That team felt like we, we, we touched on, do you think we maybe underestimated the loss of Mikey Apati and Shiloh K.O.? and Max Komar, and obviously we did, but that next year's team still won six games. They just lost seven. Mm. Like We had Enderley for one more year, which was nice, and he ended up getting drafted to the Bears. Mm. So it's just, man, it, it, there's just so much talent there. I mean, Preston Davis, another guy that just never really came to fruition after 09, but so fun. Funny, Nathan Enderly, um I don't know if I told you this story. I probably have but I don't know if I've told the listeners Uh, when I was in Frisco and we were going around the tailgating lots, there's the random Wofford fan, like decked out in Wofford stuff. And, you know, we kind of go, because, you know, I'm with Kyler Neal's an Eastern fan. So we're kind of like, we see someone who's not James Madison or North Dakota state. We're like, Oh, let's go talk to this guy. He sits there and he goes, he goes, Oh, Idaho. I was like, yeah. He goes, Nathan (laughs) Enderley. I was like, yeah, how do you know Nathan Enderley? He's like, oh, I'm originally from Nebraska. My brother's like best friends with his older brother or younger brother. I was like, no joke. Like, here I am in Frisco, Texas with this random dude who's just in Wofford stuff. And all of a sudden, he just calls out Nathan Enderly. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know Nathan Enderley. Ah, he's a good quarterback for you guys, right? Yeah, he was a dang good quarterback. I, I miss him. Wish he was playing this year. So, that that team, 09, just so many good players and people and coaches, and unfortunately, hopefully, we're building to something like that now, uh, as I guess how we've got to view it, is hopefully the corner has been turned, and we can have another season like 09 in the FCS, and hopefully we can capitalize on it, because we aren't going to be losing too many players, we've talked about it, we have a lot of juniors, though we do have some seniors, but this 2021 should be the year. If we can come a year early, that means that maybe that 2010 year will be that much better than, or the 2022 season would be like what 2010 should have been for Idaho. Uh, I pretty much got it there other than uh, having ESPN in the Kibbe Dome. Yeah. It just has to happen again. It is so much fun when they're in town.
1: We did have one topic we wanted to go over. Oh, we did we as takeaways. Did. The helmet. Yes, um, the helmet takeaway.
0: I would want to open and, this up to listeners. Uh tweet at us. Um, or if you're watching live on YouTube, hit us up in the comment section. But uh, I'll let you post a question because this is you're the one who asked me about it. So
1: it, there's it's really two parts, but the, the big there's one that's pretty simple to understand. Actually, I mean they're helmets, nothing's that complex. <laughs> but the first part Is do you those helmets in that 2009 game? They were the gold. The color was gold. They had the big eye emblem with Vandals and script across a black eye. Do you prefer script or print on our helmets? I like the script.
0: I I don't actually like the print, Um, and it's kind of like are you talking like how Idaho like uh, currently does the big block Idaho? I would much rather have, like we do with the gold helmets, which I do like how on gold they kept it, the traditional script. And I will admit, in 09, they released, I think, this is when they started kind of moving it away from just the script and kind of had b- using the block eye. And I, at the time, did like it as a mix-up, which we we weren't having before. So, with that, I, I did like it,
1: but... I'm 100% on team script. I... Uh... Again, it's not put down to our uniforms, but I just the, the block letters don't do anything for me. The script, I don't know, man. But like first off, it's kind of traditional. If you if you Google Idaho football helmets mm-hmm. and just scan through to look at the other helmets, I mean, the script is something we used for a real long time. You know, in, in some ways, now you might feel different about this than I do. I actually wish we went more we we went a little bit more with the yellow colors and the gold color. Okay. Um, I, I just think on the, I kind of like how that looks on the helmets better than like the gold is in trying to shine like gold. Yeah. And if you look at those old helmets with script that they're a little more yellow, the vandals itself in script looks a little bit bigger. I just like those the best. I mean, se- second, I do like the ones with the eye and the, the script across it better than the block for sure. But yeah. I, I don't know if you agree with me on this. I almost universally prefer retro uniforms because I just think like a, a lot of the old designs were, they were just better. Like they, they weren't trying yeah. to be sleek or something like that. They're, they were just trying to be, it was trying to be something that you knew who that was the moment you saw it. And that seems like it was it.
0: Yeah. It wasn't as so much trendy. It was, I mean, you know that it. it was, if you have the, uh, it, you just want a recognizable logo. That's why I love grumpy Joe. But um, here's kind of what I – let's see here. I think I can do a little share screen. Um, these were, like, the one I was talking about where we finally changed. Um, everyone's going to see us for a second. But, like, uh, I don't know if you can see it on the screen, but where they just did the solo block I against Boise State. Yeah. I don't know. Is that showing up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's showing up. Yeah. So like that, I, that was like, I remember that and I was like, okay, maybe we should fiddle around a bit with the, like the logos. Um, and I like that, but I agree with you. Like if you Google, I guarantee it here. Just like basic Idaho. Like I, I'm a big fan of the grumpy Joe. I would love to see a grumpy Joe logo put back on the the helmets. But I mean, there's Enderly right there with the, the block eye that we we're using in 09. Um. Well, I don't know. It doesn't look like it's gonna work. But oh there you go. That but yeah, if you just Google like Idaho Vandal football helmet, I imagine you're gonna get just the script because that is it was us. It was like us and the Kooks just rocked the script logo. Idaho Vandals helmet. Um spelled helmet wrong. But there you go. Like the Vandal script is definitely more typical looking Idaho when you're when you're comparing, you know, that kind of stuff, but, um, I, I'm definitely pro script, but I would love to see a grumpy Joe back on the helmet. I love the grumpy Joe. I don't like smiley Joe because it's just like, it's, it's a competitive sport. You shouldn't be smiling. Like maybe if we're doing like a spelling bee, we could do some like smiling Joe, but it's football. It's basketball. I'd love to see more grumpy Joe incorporated. And to be honest, I actually like the Jack and – or Jack and Jill. Joe and Jill Vandal from the – I think it was the 80s. Maybe it's the 90s. But they're selling a lot of that at the Retro Store now where it looks like just Joe Vandal. But if you look inside, the inner outline is like a female Viking. I like that. It's kind of a hidden meaning. It's one thing I've always loved about Washington State's logo is that, like, the cougar is WSU. And I think that that's cool when you can hide stuff like that in your logos. Um And it makes it more meaningful, and you're almost more prideful of it. Like, I know Eastern kind of uses the EWU for wings, so I'll give them credit for that too. But, like, when you compare, like, the Washington State Cougars to, like, the Houston Cougars, I think Wazoo takes a little bit more pride in their logo, which is why Houston's is just a UH. Because, like, Wazoo is like, we made it look like a Cougar. Like, people associate us as the Cougars because of this. And unless you're, like, a Cougar really in the know, you don't realize that it's a WS and a U. And it's uh, kind of like when you're looking around on campus when they have those UI trash cans, where forever I had no idea that the symbol is actually just a UI in a circle. I actually thought it was some just like emblem. And then you realize, oh no, that's literally it doing the University of Idaho in a big circle. I like kind of like hidden logos like that. So,
1: yeah, the on the if you go to vandalstore.com, the logo you're talking about from the 80s, they sometimes call it the Flaming Heads logo. hmm which that was the one I remember from being younger and meant that that's my favorite Vandal logo. That's, that's another version of like, it was distinct Yeah. where, you know, as a little kid, you saw it, you didn't necessarily, you could see the Joe Vandal. You couldn't see the, the Jill, but you could tell it was just different the way its orientation was. It's cool that it was one of the first logos to have the male and female logo represented. Yeah. And bo- you not know,
0: bolstering just, either of them. Right. It's like, if you see it, you see it, but we're not like, it's not like we're doing it to be trendy it was very well like if you see it you see it and then you know about it and you can be prideful in it
1: and the the grumpy joe i'm with you too this is why i say i like older uniforms i like a lot of older logos you know i mean if we're talking about the nba like i don't know if you remember in the late 90s early 2000s when all nba logos tried to be something that like fifth graders would think were the coolest logos in the world yeah um for for me idaho like the just doing the eye or just doing the smiley joe like it, it doesn't really catch me at all and I, I just i don't get having the the mascot be like some friendly i mean friendly kind of thing i mean Shouldn't be? monty monty dressed up at you know university of montana or joe vandal in costume is friendly duh because that, that's also for kids but with the stuff you're buying it's competitive sport, Man, you. You're supposed to look like your your mascot would win.
0: Yeah, like the actual University of Montana logo with the grizzly bear is not the gri- grizzly bear's not smiling and say, Come give me a hug. It's like get out of yeah. Walgriz. The look at Montana State, their old bobcat used to be viewed as like too friendly, and so they changed it to this more edgy like attack worthy one. Like Sac State, they don't have a goofy looking bee. They have like a mean stinger out hornet, like then we have Joe Vandal, who's just like, uh-huh, "I'm here, <laughs> I'm Joe Vandal." <laughs> it's better when Joe's like, "Come get me," and he's frowning like, "I'm a freaking warrior who sacked Rome. Come try me."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So, man, we're yeah, in agreement. Yeah, I like the old older uniforms. I like the older logos. And again, this is just maybe that's just a sales thing that like I feel like we're hitting our heads on because we talked about the alcohol stuff like changing the logo to something like that. I don't know. I mean, is there some demographic that I'm missing where we like presume that people wouldn't want the older stuff? Cause I mean, everyone I go, I go to games with and talk to that's older loved when the retro stuff was available.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's probably just don't want to saturate the market with it, but I think you're seeing it move back. Cause there are people like me that don't like the yellow, as you can see our theme on, if you're on YouTube is yellow, but, um, I know there are people that don't like the yellow. They like the gold. And I think it's because the older stuff was yellow. Some people mm-hmm. are resistant to it. But, I mean, like, people like me, I still love it. So, like, I get it. I just don't want our helmets to be yellow. I like the gold, silver and gold, not silver and yellow, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I think the old stuff's way better. But um, maybe we could we'll add that to the thing last week because there's actually – I've been working on the article for, like, two years – there's an artist out of Boise. I don't want to butcher his name. Um, I think we have his stuff on our Instagram, so you might be able to check it out there. But on Behance or something, which I think is Adobe's thing, he did a whole redesign of our logo. And like our jerseys. Love it. Because one thing I've always said, and actually let me run this by you. I, Why not? I know the thing that sucks is Oregon already did it. But have the Joe Vandal like, wings that are on his helmet. Put those on our helmet. Like, exactly what Oregon did, but, you know, put the little gold stuff and the flyers. The lacrosse team does it, and I think it looks really cool. And if you look at old pictures and stuff from the 50s, we used to do it in the 50s, where, you know, Joe Vandal's helmet has those little flyer wings come out, and you just put that on the side of our helmet. It would look distinct. And then we actually match our mascot. So then you can change the eye at the middle of the field to, like, a grumpy Joe or something, and then people get it like, oh, they're not trying to be Oregon. like— they are Vikings, and Vikings have these winged helmets. So we don't have – Joe Vandal doesn't have a horned helmet. He has a winged helmet. So I always saw that and thought they were really cool, and he did really cool designs with them. Um, so maybe we'll t- kind of talk about jerseys next week because I think we can talk about jerseys for a little bit longer with more calculated, and we could probably on YouTube with this new software we're using do like a little slideshow show and tell with you guys on kind of some of our favorites and our ideas. Um, and if the athletic department ever wants to bring us on oh that's right we have an athletic member on next week so maybe we can bounce some of these ideas off my mood um, which takes us into hashtag ask T-A-T-C. and we have one question coming to us from eric anderson so it's kind of more of going back to when we are talking about the alcohol sales so Quick point on alcohol sales in the Kibbe Dome. The University of Wyoming netted $104,000 from alcohol sales after roughly $82,000 in startup costs. Uh, University of Wyoming averaged just over 23,000 fans last year per game. Now, I don't know the source. Uh, it's, a, it's a YouTube comment, but uh, Eric Anderson has never proven to be not a reliable source, So, and he got it from somewhere. He didn't make the numbers up. So I will say those numbers are – a little low. So I guess it goes to show that we were probably closer with the $80,000 projection. If they're averaging, what, 15,000, 16,000 more, a whole Kibbe Dome's worth more people than we were last year, and they only got to 107,000, maybe 80,000 is what we would make. And I guess if our stadium takes 80, uh couple thousand dollars to do the setup, then maybe it's not worth it. But I think the Kibbe Dome's smaller than War Memorial, so it wouldn't be too much setup but I don't know back to the whole alcohol thing it's just when I went to Portland State for that game being able to have a beer the whole game and once again I had like more than I probably should admit on the on the podcast but I think I ended up having maybe four or five beers by the end of the game mostly because we went to breakfast beforehand and knew we had to drive so we had no pre-gaming to speak of. Um, and then, luckily, we have one person des, uh, designate to drive for us on the way home who's one of my friends who lived in Oregon who met us after the game. But, yeah, it, it just it helps. And I just think these numbers, I don't want to say what – I just don't imagine because I'm not the average $11 person. I'm the person who's going to have two or three or four. Well, I guess it's different with tailgating. We don't know. I don't know. But it was interesting to see Wyoming, who is smaller, more close, closer to us, in terms of being compared to Ohio State, only one hundred and seven thousand dollars, um, and then after startup costs that first year, that means you know you're only about a twenty to thirty thousand dollars worth of profit. So, but every year after that, you just keep it. So that bites away at the budget. That pays for whichever D two team we have to come in each year. So, and hopefully well, we can just get rid of those and do home and homes. It's a hundred k. Yeah, I
1: don't know. Denver, those numbers, while you're talking, I fact-checked. Denver Post confirms $104,000 is correct in what they took in. Separate article from the Casper Star Tribune um, cited police officers saying there were no increase in alcohol-related issues after selling alcohol on-site. So, So,
0: just no downsides. I mean, come on, Terry. We believe
1: no, and even if it's, let's say Idaho, let's say we first off, let's say it just draws even. Yeah, it's a more fun environment. That's fine. It, it, the cost of buying a more fun environment is nothing.
0: And you probably have okay, more people showing lost. attendance. So even if it breaks even on, you know, the revenue and sales of that, you're going to make more money because more people are going to go to the game.
1: And then every dollar you make, as we've talked about, man, we got a deficit. We got to take care of twenty thousand dollars in profit for year one, and you should presume higher profits in following years. You know twenty thousand dollars that I mean that 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 pays for new equipment that pays for at least part of that pays for a scholarship and change from in-state in tuition I mean these these pays are not get, insignificant things that it buys
0: yeah pays to get wings on her helmets or grumpy Joe so there you, you go know,
1: Terry, Terry Golick's been open about one of her things that she's working on is trying to you know stabilize the infrastructure of the athletic, athletic department itself. is a very good amount or at least a nice bite into the salary for, you know, compliance officers. It doesn't pay for a compliance officer, but it's, it's a, it's a not meaningless number that helps take care of those positions. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Well, that was hashtag STTC, which was more Eric providing us more talking points. So thank you, Eric. That was, um, nice to have some numbers and then closer to us and then dial it in. Um, so yeah, that's uh, the episode today. Uh, well, we got to talk about next week's Vandal Rewatchable. We, the poll's out right now. I think it's pretty close between 98 H. Bull and 98 Boise State, but I uh, could be wrong. 99 Wazoo's getting votes. Um, so those are our, our three plus 96 Boise State, which is a blowout. We just put it on because it's the only other one on our playlist right now because I'm still waiting on my other ones to come to me in the mail. Uh, so make sure you go vote in that poll. But hopefully – We'll be able to watch on Thursday. So if you're listening to the podcast instead of watching on YouTube today at 3 o'clock Pacific Time and 1130 p.m. Pacific Time, Idaho and the Eastern Washington game will be replayed on Root Sports. So we're going to try to watch that again. Obviously, Root's a little bit harder to get. Now that it's not just during work hours, I'll probably be able to watch it. However, it starts at 1130 at night and it's on a Thursday. So that's also like I, I applaud Root Sports. For making an effort here. But literally they're airing games at like noon and 11 o'clock. It's like, I'm sure if it's Saturday I might stay up till 11 o'clock to watch the Vandals. Or Friday night, but I gotta work Friday. Like, I guess the point is some people don't. They're quarantined or whatever, but I guess, I don't know. Because, I, I mean, you're, like right now are you and your family or anybody you know staying up till 11.30 to watch this play Eastern Washington? On Thursday, or is it kind of like a? I was there, I saw it. No thanks. Maybe if it was at seven, I would watch it.
1: If it was at, yeah, seven, or let's say it's even later to like nine at 9 30. Yeah. yeah, we'll, just we'll not, at least watch part of it. Just not
0: almost the next day.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wish it was done differently, but it's at least, oh man, it's something. We got something, I yeah. guess. Um,
0: all right, well. That's uh so make sure you vote in that. We'll have a hopefully we can talk about it because we'll be able to watch it. Otherwise we'll be talking about one of the other four games that are available for you guys to vote on Twitter. Uh, um, we have Mahmood, the Associate Athletic Director and Development uh, uh or athletic director of development and VSF Executive Director on with us next week. Brian's been posting episodes on All Vandals to ask for questions. Obviously we encourage you guys on Twitter or in the YouTube comments on this video to ask questions for us to ask. One thing that I know we both noticed with because we've been advertising for a week now, you got to remember when we're interviewing the guy who we're interviewing because he it, he is not Terry Gallic, So he's not going to have all the answers. So tr- I guess what we're trying to say is try to pose your questions understanding this Mahmood's set of skills and his expertise within the athletic department. Uh, For instance, he is not going to know that if football happens this year, what the Kibbe Dome's guidelines are going to be for social distancing. I noticed that was a question. I don't think the head director of development and the Vandal scholarship fund is super up to date on the Kibbe Dome regulations in case of a pandemic. So I guess what we're trying to say is funding Maybe this alcohol sales, that might be something that we'd be able to do. I know he was specifically recommended to us um, by the athletic department because people have been asking about ICCU updates. So think that kind of stuff, like building and growth and development of the athletic department and the VSF, how the money – some of the budgeting stuff.
1: I I, I want to really encourage people to send us your questions. There's some, there is some in the weed stuff you probably won't be able to go over, but there's also going to be some in the weed stuff that he can go over, particularly like the Vandal scholarship fund. And with, you know, the maybe some of the like broad movements within the athletic department that might surprise you. Kind of like when Grizz fan had Brent on and she went really in depth into the work that goes, you know, she, she was involved in a lot of game day production she go real in-depth on that. He's going to have some stuff that, like, if you don't download this podcast, you're just not going to learn about. Yeah. Um, so I'm really hoping people view this as kind of like a like a podcast or digital town hall.
0: So, But we are excited to have him on, and we do encourage everybody to ask questions. I know it just sounded like we're discouraging. I guess we just want to make sure we have good questions that we can ask because we want to be that buffer for you guys to the athletic department. And we can't do that if it's just Brian and I's questions because everything else just didn't fit. Um, What they are have the ability to answer follow the big sky podcast network on the social medias. That's at big sky podcasts We post out a bunch of stuff throughout the year and cool developments Uh, in fact myself and three other big sky football fans including former co-host of the show TJ Hopkins wrote a piece comparing It was a hashtag STC last week that I decided needed more time from Ross Cunningham who've had on the show um, comparing wrestlers to Big Sky programs We posted that on fcsfansnation.com So check that out But the Big Sky commissioner actually retweeted it And commented it So the Big Sky is a super fun conference to be in And I thought that was, that was Pretty freaking sweet So check that out Let us know how we did um, But otherwise I think it's, it's time Brian For the best band in all the land The sound of Idaho Play us out Go Vandals
1: Go Vandals